This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. We're super excited for this one. It's a little bit unique. We're doing a hype up episode because yep. we're awesome. And we're trying to tell you guys, basically, we're approaching episode 150. We've been doing this for a few years. We wanted to cover some stuff that in the next year we're going to start bringing to the podcast to keep it fresh. Mm -hmm. uh, some changes that are coming and the format, stuff that we're just going to do, basically. So, let's get it started. Ready? So, uh, the first one is something that people have been asking about for a while. Uh, you know, our imagery, our iconography has been the same for the past couple of years, which is uh, great. But our intro has remained the same. Uh, Wode, Rip, Rip. Uh, we thought was coming back, but has not. So with a new intro that we uh, have begun to procure that will better suit the current format of the podcast, we also have some brand new art assets. And I'm going to bring up right now what's going to be behind the podcast, uh, what is on the shirts that we made for ourselves and what you'll start seeing uh, utilized throughout. So here we go. So it's a lot of the same color uh, scheme that we saw before because who doesn't love Prince Purple? Like, yep. let's be honest. It's the best color ever. And then we changed the way uh, kind of from like the Eye of Sauron, Sol Ring style look of the pod to something that's a, a little more uh, creative and something that was just recently built for us by a friend of yours, correct? Yes, uh, who did all of the assets before and basically as the styles evolved, he's like, hey, let's do it again. Yep. And uh, you know we're, we're working with them. We've uh, talked a little bit about custom sleeves and some other uh, odds and ends that we we might try and put up in time. It's uh, very difficult to work with you know art assets like you see something that's a little uh, a little busy, and then trying to narrow down what represents the pod best on something like a card sleeve. But I know you've looked at playmat design, and I think we have something like that kicking around that might go up at some point. And we're just really excited to for the first time in effectively three years, really you know revamp the the look of the pod into something that best suits how we operate you know everything's going to be a little bit brighter a little more upbeat and you know representative of who we are yeah it's going to be pretty dope we're super super stoked for it mm -hmm. uh the next thing we're doing is interviews so we've done a couple interviews so far in the series and they've been with vendors various perspectives uh we're going to bring you more of that but what we're going to do is we're going to interview people that are like established in the vendor community mm -hmm. that you'll see at gps you'll see at star cities to kind of humanize them they can tell you their story yeah this is why i'm here this is why i love the game this is how i got into it what advice they have for people that are just starting out where they're at now compared to where they were you know 10 years ago because mm -hmm. some of them aren't really in the industry anymore it's just something that we're like all right you were in the industry and you were a huge impact and yep. people may not have known what impact they had because some of them were behind the scenes people yep. uh, you know we, oh go ahead I was say, uh, so one of the, the favorite ones that we've got queued up is actually somebody that was in, in that was in the industry owned a store was huge yeah. sold that store opened another store because they didn't sign a non-compete sold that store and yeah. Yeah. yeah so on yeah uh and that's that's something we're super stoked about because it's something that most podcasts don't really do. Obviously, you've got some that interview pros and stuff, but hey, you deal with these guys all the time, and it may be a brief five-minute interaction. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's not, but we're going to try to get you to know them better, for better or worse. Yep. We're trying. Yep. And along the lines of interviews, uh, 
We wanted to start this with Galveston, but lo and behold, uh, weather and whatever flight patterns on the East Coast kind of kept us from this is uh, more live episodes. We wanted to get something set up in Galveston where uh, you and I work together and, and do that. There have been a couple of shows where we've overlapped, but never really carved out the time to do episodes. Instead, we pre-recorded them just to ensure that we had, you know, the 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 podcast done and everything ready to go at a moment's notice. And you know, we want to do a lot more of that together, either you know, things from the floor as they're happening. So we just kind of step aside for a little bit during the day, like maybe on lunch breaks, et cetera, just do a rundown. Like I've seen some other people do, uh, players and some other podcasters, uh, sometimes at the end of an event, but we want to bring you some more, you know, quote unquote live content like that and kind of bring you into that world a little more than just what we're doing right now when we're at events. We want to kind of do a lot more while it's fresh and so people can kind of get that perspective about what's going on what it's like to start working as events especially now as things are shifting yeah and we're seeing this shift in what events look like and where events are even being held in some cases so it's definitely something that we've been trying to do for a while hasn't worked out so far but we're recommitting Mm -hmm. so that you can get both of us on the same screen at the same time that's what you want more of us uh speaking of which more of us means more quick hits so for those of you that don't know if you are a patron you get access to the quick hits section of our patreon page Uh, for a dollar a month you can become a patron what it is is basically five to ten minute episodes of us giving a quick rundown on some stuff going on in the industry or me screaming into the clouds about how awful secret layers are and how wizards doesn't care about the secondary market which you get to see an hour of most times, but you can get a little digestible five to 10 minute window of it periodically. So trying to bring that not just to the general, but to the patrons, especially because we wouldn't be here without you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And this one actually falls on me a little more. I had some things lined up with the way TCG player was kind of restructuring their backend with vendors and then, and um, binder POS and the way that, uh, that was going. And then a lot of that just kind of stalled out. So this, or like faltered updated and changed and the people that i knew that were going to be moving into those new systems just kind of never just decided not to so those interviews kind of fell apart and then it was difficult to try and keep up and say okay well uh rl go burr and you know yeah. like what kind of content is that if we're just putting out the same thing every week so with the cut down of events the quick hits things just kind of like fell away especially because paper play wasn't even happening so i couldn't give people an idea of like okay this is what i'm seeing at a local uh, event scene this is what my locals are looking for and just kind of talk about that so hopefully as we're able to get out more we can do a lot of these too as well uh, but speaking of you know quick hits and how things are going locally we want to do some more event coverage from a vendor perspective so uh, as you mentioned you know uh, just a dollar gets you access to our, our discord and one of the things that we have in there is a channel that goes live whenever you or I are at events and it's essentially an AMA channel or it has been and we just try and recap what's going on or anything unique that we're seeing at these events from on the floor or anything that's going on uniquely ahead of time and just give people an idea of what's going on you know from the vendor perspective so we want to do more of that we want to uh, either that channel or as i mentioned earlier with the live stuff like uh, some small snippets of video here and there or just a quick audio pop where we can just talk about the vendor feel in some of these rooms what people are thinking about the events as they're going along you know, what are vendors saying about the event as a whole as it's running, what they're seeing in terms of buy and sell, what's moving, is anything surprising, did they swing and miss with their hot list, what's popping, and, you know, getting that back out to you guys, our patrons. 
And I think that's really important because there's a lot of things that you can miss in the quickness of the vendor hall. And there's times where I've had people that were like at a pro tour where Vengevine broke out, for example. Mm -hmm. The day before that pro tour happened, someone messaged me and said, buy all the Vengevines you can. So I bought about 40 of them from Card Kingdom because that's what they had. And I was able to actually make a lot of money that weekend just by having someone that was on the floor saw what people were asking for, saw what people were testing. So it's the kind of thing that actually does help a lot for getting ahead of the market. Because, look, when we're on the floor, we're getting asked about cards constantly. We keep track of what cards we're getting asked about. Mm -hmm. Uh, My anecdote is, I think, December 2013. It's a modern GP. Return to Ravnica had just come out. Oh, sorry. We were in Rav, I think Theros was about to come out, and uh, a large national vendor that shows up at every GP and has a pro team begins walking the floor Saturday morning asking to buy, um, what are the Desecration Demons. Yeah. Okay, how many do you need? Whatever you have. How much? And they give us current retail. And then Theros drops, and here we are. Desecration Demon is now a six to ten dollar card, right? That kind of information also important to pa- to pass out when you can. You know, those people get ahead. Um, and then Grand Prix Nebraska, if you were not there, coverage was pretty sparse, and you didn't know that Through the Breach was popping at that event. This was right yeah. before Treasure Cruise was banned. And then they all just slowly Rip. trickled away on TCG Player as we got towards round sevens, eights, rounds seven, eight, and nine. And the information began to leak that one of the undefeated players was on Titan Shift. and Or Titan Breach. Breach Titan, whatever yeah. the deck was officially called, with chalices in the main. Yep. That tech, you know, we can, that's the kind of stuff we want to spread. Yeah, that's that's what we're there for. And again, dollar gets you access. It's yep. pretty affordable, as, you know, Patreons go. Uh, and speaking of getting access to stuff early and comparing events, we're going to be more detailed. We're going to be more detailed on comparing Magic to other markets. That may mean we bring in people periodically to say, "Hey, you know, this is what Magic compares to Flesh and Blood." We had an early episode with a friend of the podcast, Fade, who came on and compared it to a coin market yep. and just said, "This is the difference between Magic and a coin market and how it works." Uh, you know, obviously, Flesh and Blood is huge. Pokemon's in the middle of another resurgence. Yu-Gi-Oh is doing Yu-Gi-Oh things. All of these markets are very different. And you may think it's not that important to know what's going on in these, but it is because all of them are the same and that they're unregulated collectible markets tied to playability. So obviously some games have the reserve list, some don't. Some games have a first edition set, some don't. So there's subtle differences between these, but there's lessons you can take from each of those that help inform what you do as a vendor and as a speculator. So those are the type of things that we just want to bring general knowledge to because there's not a whole lot out there where people are comparing magic to sports cards, to flesh and blood, to pogs, or to the dead card game market even right now, which is exploding. And, you know, not that magic is dead now, but it may be someday. And there's things you can pay attention to from those markets long term, like, hey, this old sealed product that was just useless, like Homelands, is suddenly worth money, like Homelands. So definitely something that we want to bring to you guys to help educate a little more because it is important yep yeah and so uh you know, there's a lot more that's going to go into this over you know the coming year we're just looking to kind of reshape the pod and get back to what we wanted to do uh, something you know i was thinking about today when i was talking to my wife about how i handle my picks now versus when we had woad is just like you know we get to go back to this very 
vendor perspective, which is how we wanted to structure this podcast to begin with. Yeah. We wanted it to be unique in the space. We don't need it to be like everybody else. We don't need to, you know, follow the same footsteps that other people do. We want to bring a unique perspective and we want people to both enjoy and help us shape this too. Yeah. And that's been, you know, thank you to the patrons who have reached out and asked questions and provided feedback. As we say it a million times, we're here for you guys, the viewers, the patrons, everyone. You don't have to be a patron. Leave us a comment on YouTube, tweet at us, whatever, mm-hmm. just for feedback, because we want to make a show that you want to watch, you want to listen to, however you view the or experience the medium. Yeah. We're here for you guys. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the body of this podcast, pretty brief this week, because like I said, it was a, a or like we said at the top, it's a, a quick rundown. Things are a little bit quiet right now. We're heading into Fab Vegas or whatever that event's being called. Um, yeah. So we'll, we might have something to say about that, depending on if it happens and what goes down. Um, I'm excited to see it, but right now Magic uh, is kind of cool. So yeah. both as a card game and in terms of like vendor perspectives, we have um, Dragon Con in a couple of weeks, which we'll probably get some feedback from from some people that are there, yeah. and then TCG Cons to kind of round out the year. Yeah, so should be pretty good. I'm ready for picks just to get the F out of here. Let's do it. All right, so this one is, I, this isn't even a Commander All-Star, but this is certainly a Commander card. And this is, I don't, oh, I hope I pronounce this right, Ikra Shadiki the Usurper in foil etched. <clears throat> and if you look at this fantastic stocks graph, it drops like a, a stone, and it just stays there until about Strixhaven when it picks back up. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, what I like about this card is that it's ba- it is just like pure value. There's nothing about this uh, partner, and I want to be specific about that that that, that just doesn't scream value. So I've been tracking this since December of 2020. CK CK is buying 72 at a dollar. There's 95 copies on TCG Player at two dollars 22. Right now, CK is only buying 29, but they're buying it at two dollars 50. Right. And there's 100 left on TCG Player at $3.30. So that's for LP or better, both of those numbers. Now, this is not a solo commander. So I'll bring up no. the, uh, the EDH Rex page. And I'll only bring up the partners page because, man, this, this card is a sad sack solo. <clears throat> but you look at this and it partners <laughs> with everything. And that's really why I like this card. It's not a solo commander. It's a partner, and Eager decks play all over the format, from more grinding control decks to combat-oriented decks partnered with things like Bruce Tarl, who's up at the top, and Akiri Lineslinger, which is a little further down on the list, but just gives you an idea of, like, the things you can be doing with this card, right? And so, again, we're just casting that really wide EDH net. And we're casting it over a partner over a partner that is growing in popularity and a card that lets you play the most magic possible by floating your life total and letting you either continue to survive a combat heavy table or leverage your life as a resource um, so if you weren't able to read what this card actually does when it was on uh, on the screen it's a three seven for five three black green it's got menace and whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player you gain life equal to that creature's toughness right so it just affords you a longer game or an, or more life as a resource, like I said, because Black loves to pay life for things. And in some cases, this is just the best option to help extend your color identity to help with ramp, card draw, access to additional tutors, etc. And in these instances, Ikra is more about being a utility piece in the deck rather than a theme. So that's really why I like the card overall. 
It's pure utility without having to like quote unquote rule zero your way into partners that best suits your needs. It allows flexibility at the table within the rule set and can let casuals feel competitive by giving them access to quote unquote fast mana in the form of ramp and tutors galore because you're extending into those two colors that yep. are known for it. So as far as the timeline on this card goes, it's kind of interesting. And I want to start off by saying that I would buy in slowly over time as to not make waves with an expectation to begin to churn to buy a list for pure profit in about nine months, just based on the stocks graph alone, just because it sits there for so long, it bottoms for so long, and it takes until this past April to really go up from about uh, $2.85 to a whole $4.70 gain, and then it kind of comes back down. So it comes and goes in waves. And with the uptick in price over the last six months, I would imagine that as long as this card doesn't take off, if you were to buy in today, you would see a decent margin in six months if selling into the open market. I also wouldn't go terribly deep on this spec and probably hold around 12. And this isn't for fear of a reprint or better Golgari partner, but just because the demand overall doesn't support a deep stock. And I see CK buying fewer now than back in December 2020 when I began to watch this. And what I, men I mentioned earlier uh, about this card taking off, like... I don't think this is the kind of card that's going to take off with a, uh, a video from some commander content guru. I don't think that's going to happen because it's no. just a pure, like I said, support utility card. But if that kind of does happen, that shortens up that six-month time period into the open market to about three months. But again, I really think you're going to be hard-pressed to kind of see that one happen. So I, I like the pick a lot because it also highlights a market trend we've been seeing where all of a sudden partner cards in general are just elevating in value. And it's one that you still have the opportunity to be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to get it on, on the low low, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. And I think that's important because it is the kind of thing that you know we've seen over and over again where all of a sudden these low-hanging fruit are the last things to go because people pick your, you know, Thrasios, Timna, yep. you know, Blood Pod type stuff, whatever, Tina as well. And then these other partners have just kind of hung by the wayside. I do take an issue with one thing you said, though, because you said it lets you play the most magic possible. Yes. And I think Winter Orb lets you play the most right. magic possible because it's the most fun card of magic. Sorry, I digress. I'm not going to fight you on that one. No, you're, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's... The partner is just an interesting mechanic overall. And I did mention, you know, you don't have to rule zero this card in because there are so many other good cards to pair with this. But at the same time, it's not hard to see a, a world in which partners work like banding, where only one of the two needs to have the keyword. Yeah, and exactly. In that instance, that speaks to your point of eventually all partners float down here. And I think we'll see them rise. That's kind of how I feel about companions right now. I think they'll all float in time, even the bad ones. We yeah. just have to give it enough time because you don't need them outside the 99. You can just build no. them into the 99. And they'll do Which is important yep. because that helps mobility so much more. <laughs> all right. My pick, going a little more constructed on this one, Hollow One. Why? Because 8Walla is popping up all over the place. If you've watched any Legacy or Modern streamers, You've seen them play 8-Walla at some point. So, the deck's bad. It can't beat Delver. Before we go too far, 8-Walla is 4 Basking Root Walla and 4 the red one. Red Walla. Red Walla from Modern Horizons 2. Yes. Uh, the reason Hollow One is in this is because obviously you can cheat it in pretty well off discarding. Another thing, this is one of those cards that has a history of performing well in the right meta. Yes. 
Right now, our TCG low, if you take a look at the stocks graph or TCG itself, is sitting around 44 cents. This card does have a price history of around a dollar to two. So it's not a real high ceiling on this one. But when you go to an event and you are stocking a case, you can easily pay 50 cents for this card and sell it for five all day long. So this is one of those picks that's more along the lines of a vendor side pick than it is necessarily a backpacker for me. Uh, timeline wise, honestly, it's one of those cards that's about a card away from being busted in half. So I wouldn't go super deep on it necessarily. I'd sit at probably about 10 to 12 and then go for reserve list slumlording if it's me, because that's my favorite thing to do. Or put it towards Sarkin's Unceilings if you're so inclined. Card does really good things in legacy, modern, and vintage. Not that vintage is a price driver, which is why I haven't mentioned it before now. We're about to get to a set which has historically had some value in discarding. It has had some type of discard effect. That being back to Innistrad. So that being the case, we may be looking at a shorter timeline here. We may be looking at about six-ish months before we start to see a surge on this card the way that you would want in order to be able to profitably buy list this uh, i just think constructed wise it's popping up all over the place it's only a matter of time before the deck performs well just due to sheer volume mm -hmm. and when it does not that this card is going to shoot to the moon because it's from hour of devastation but it has a few things going for the price being from hour of devastation uh hour of devastation was an awful set that set was trash so people didn't open it or they opened it for the inventions which is or invocations rather the Yu-Gi-Oh proxies yep. so there are a few of these sitting around but i would expect them to continue to sit around and not make their way into the open marketplace until this card hits a price of like 10 bucks which i'll be honest i don't see happening mm -hmm. so if we can avoid returning to amonkhet where we could possibly get another hollow one uh i think you'll be doing pretty good in about nine to twelve months here realistically because you can take a look and we periodically, starting in January 20, in July we hit a peak. That peak lasts for about six months. Then it goes down. Now we're hitting another peak. So there is a history of this card at least surging a little bit, not a lot. Yep. But like I said, once this deck pops, it's probably a $5 card. And if you've got 10 of them at 50 cents, take the 10x and run. Yep. Oh. Hey. It's weird to say that I like this pick because this is a card that could perennially do something dumb, so it's worthwhile to have, but that's kind of where I sit on this. Um, you, you touched on uh, 8 Wallet, and that's basically the exact same idea as the previous Hollow One deck, which was to play Cathartic Union and Goblin Lore and Faithless Looting yep. to help power this out very early in Modern. You could actually hit... A number of these on turn one and it was in the with vengevine as well that was the pro tour yeah that deck and like you said it is just one card away from being extremely good or people finding a way to make fauna shaman work you know which is and if that happens card is actually probably immediately ten dollars because yeah. of edh as well well, yeah, you can all you, well, you can all make Fauna Shaman work there already, especially with Double Root Walla. But if they get that Fair. to work in a constructed format where you basically have um, survival of the fittest on a creature do a work for you, I mean that that's basically game. Yeah. I, 
<clears throat> I like this card overall. It doesn't seem like we'd ever get a reprint outside of maybe uh, like a realistic reprint outside of, of a Commander product. It was in Time Spiral Remastered in Old Border, which is kind of like, whatever, forget it. I'd rather go for the low-hanging fruit on this one, which has already seemed to quad in price since you picked it, and sit on a bunch of these, like you said. You know, more than once have I shown up to a modern FNM and found a player playing one deck, buying cards for the next deck they want to play, and they're always looking for the low-hanging fruit in that deck. Yeah. They needed the Faithless Looting, or they needed the Lightning Bolts, the Path to Exile, etc. for that deck. And this is that. This is the kind of card you can expect to pick up from people in Trade Binders because it's been essentially bulk for so long. Yep. That you also now get that additional out, that additional avenue if you have access to places to play in paper right now. This is a card I like buying in now. I like probably holding as many copies of this as uh, Ikra, and I would be happy to just let this ride into the sunset. Yeah. And I I think that's, you know, for me, I actually like to keep a stock of these cards that are like one card away from being busted. Yep. Because typically, they're not very expensive to get in on. Like, this is, you know, 44 cents, 50 cents, whatever, plus shipping. And if you've just got a few of them sitting around, like, whatever, they don't take up a whole lot of space. And if one in ten hits... You've covered, you know, the first one you sell all of a sudden covers all of your 10. And it's just like a, you know, low risk, high reward strategy that I like to use for specs sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's it's another good pick to just sit on for a while. You you throw throw it in your box. Remember, you have it earmarked that somewhere and then come back in three, six, nine months to just check in and see where we are. Yeah, absolutely. I like it, and hopefully this is one that shows up sooner rather than later. I know there was talk about this deck making a resurgence because of the additional wallet in Modern. Um, things have been in flux for a while, but now that things have stabilized, and hopefully Modern can kind of shake itself out a little more. Maybe we see that deck come back. You know, yeah. And actually start running the format again. That would be the hope. Yeah. But unless there's anything else you want to talk about, I think we might be good for the week. We are good to go. All right. So, uh, we are at MTG the Ballcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon. You can find also YouTube, which is where the video will be, obviously. Yes. If you want the podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify. And you can reach us, like I said, on Twitter at MTG the Ballcast or individually. I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week. <laughs>